every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. Sloan is the founder of Lil Steps Wellness Farm, an animal-assisted therapy facility in Manitoba. She and her staff work with children, youth, and adults experiencing mental health difficulties, including anxiety, depression, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. The farm offers a range of services and programs, including play therapy, animal-assisted therapy and counseling, and equine-facilitated wellness, both team and individual therapy. Lucy holds many designations, including professional registered counselor, member of the Counseling and Psychotherapy Association, certified mental health first aid instructor through the Mental Health Commission of Canada, and certified animal assisted therapy professional. Lucy has also received specialized training in the areas of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, autism, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, Depression, Anxiety, and various other mental health areas. Lucy worked for 11 years with the Department of Justice, helping rehabilitate people with criminal backgrounds. She then moved into working in the community mental health field and worked as an intensive case manager and community mental health worker. As you can hear, Lucy has lots of experience in mental wellness. But that didn't prepare her for her own journey, recovering from a serious head injury. Lucy talks about some of the residual challenges she deals with daily as a result of her invisible disability, and also some of the most effective therapies she's ever received working with animals. It sparked an idea. Lucy always identified a need for alternative approaches for children and youth. 
Lil Steps Wellness Farm was created to provide a service for children and youth to gain skills, insight, self-confidence, and other tools to foster and promote resiliency and positive mental well-being. Unsurprisingly, she also has a strong passion for animals. Lucy has also become a published author. Okay, Lucy, uh, where in rural or remote Canada do you hail from? Where are you? So I actually come from a small town named St. Malo in Manitoba, and it's just a bit south of uh, Winnipeg by about 45 minutes. You told us, um, well, I actually talked about your bio um, in the introduction. You worked with the Department of Justice, and you also worked with Community Health. Mm -hmm. So how did that evolve into what you're doing now with Lil Steps uh, Wellness Farm? It evolved basically like as I was working um, in justice, I loved the position. I was there for about 11 years, but after a while, it was just time to kind of move on. It's, it's a pretty heavy job that I was working. And then I moved into community mental health, uh, working with adults, which I loved. Like working in the mental health system was very interesting, but what I noticed working in any system is, is tough sometimes because there's these kind of constraints around how much programming or services you can offer people and people really need to kind of fit in this box in order to get the service. So as I was working in community mental health, I had uh, basically gone through a pretty major head injury. So I was off work for a couple of years. And in that time, um, I started to kind of come up with this business idea around um, integrating animals into my work and working with kids. And I thought it was a neat um, kind of time in my career to start to work more in almost like a proactive way and, and, and really providing services to kids when they're young. So the hope is, is that it prevents a lot of these difficulties or issues that I would see as, as working with adults. And through the injury that you had, the head injury that you had, did you have special therapy mm -hmm. that kind of opened your eyes to some of the newer therapies that I guess are working or, or newer unique ways to actually reach people? You know, it's interesting. I had, I had really um, done everything under the sun in terms of like um, everything <laughs> to try to help this head injury. Uh, what was the the key piece for me, though, and this really linked into the development of my business, is that um, I spent a lot of time with uh, some animals. And so I ended up uh, purchasing two miniature horses named Sweetie and Peanut and spent a lot of time outside with them. And I would just sit there with them for like hours. And I noticed that some of my symptoms alleviated when I was with them. So I like particularly I had developed um pretty bad anxiety, um, you know, getting random panic attacks here, and which is very scary. So being with the horses, I really realized that it alleviated a lot of that and um, put me in a place where I felt kind of calm again and where I can think properly and think clearly. So I started to look into research into the benefits, obviously, of animals. I've always thought there's benefits. I've had animals my entire life. But when you actually look at the research, it's really interesting how um, the research really proves that animals can help in the therapeutic process. So that's where I decided to integrate animals into my counseling practice. Well, let's talk about your counseling practice or well, let's talk about the farm. I, I've said this to mm -hmm. you before, but it seems magical to me. I've seen some of the videos and, and we will put mm -hmm. those in the show notes so people can watch them too. 
What happens at your farm? When you're working with a child and the child connects with the animal and they're able to connect their own experiences with that animal and they get all these little aha moments, right? And 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 then you hear from the parents, you say, wow, like my child just is feeling so much better. And sometimes you almost can't explain it. You can't say, well, it's because of A plus B equals C, right? It, it, it really is this connection that happens with the animal. It's this acceptance that happens with the animal. So that's essentially like when a child comes here, they will connect. I have a whole variety of different types of animals, uh, different types of personalities. So they'll connect with the animal and they'll connect with their story. Um, a lot of what I do is a lot of sh storytelling based on the animal's experiences and their personalities, like I mentioned. So um, the child is able to really identify with some of those pieces. And it's really, I, I call it, it's, it's almost like a backdoor approach to therapy. It's not that typical, like, you know, I'm sitting, having my cup of coffee and we're having a discussion and talking about, you know, your life and, and all these things that might have led up and factors that might be connected to these struggles. It's really about being in nature and, and being with the animal and just having conversation. A lot of children that come to see me don't really realize they're doing therapy because a lot of it is just having conversation and making some connections and being able to have a space, like a safe space to really start to process things. So it, it really is magic in a lot of ways. <laughs> Some of the clients that you have, mm -hmm. are there specific issues to which animal assisted therapy are beneficial? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good question because I've seen it really across the board in many different types of mental health difficulties, whether it be like an anxiety disorder, depression, ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, kids in the autism spectrum. There's a lot of different areas that it helps. What stuck out for me, though, when you asked me that question was ADHD, the attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, because one thing I've learned over my years in working with kids and working with this ADHD brain, as I call it, it's fascinating and it's amazing. And there's so many different strengths and benefits to that type of brain, but it's not looked that way in, in a school setting. So when I work with kids in, in kind of that box of the school setting, it doesn't work well. Whereas when they're on the farm and they're working with the animals and they're in their own element, um, I see huge connections there. I've had actually a, a little quick story. I have this dog named Bo. He's a Frenchie. And uh, I had rescued him. He only had what I thought was a few months to live because he had a pretty major heart murmur. So he had actually been rescued to come to the farm to kind of live his, like, he was just a little puppy, live, live a few months. And turned out, though, this little guy has the heart murmur in the best place that could be, so he won't be passing from it, which is good news. But the difficult news is he's he's gone through two full stomach surgeries. He's eaten many different types of my clothing. He's eaten my couch. He's gotten into lots of different trouble. But there's this one time, and, and so this is what makes it so great, because he's not a perfect dog, right? But there's this one time right after the stomach surgery, I brought him to, to the school, and I was working with this little boy that has ADHD. And uh, I explained what had happened. You know, he had eaten some of my clothing and 32 stitches up and down his stomach. And this little boy looked at him and goes, you know what? I understand. I've had that where I've done stuff that, you know, sometimes I don't think before I do it. But you're a good dog still. You're a really good dog. Oh. And that was such a therapeutic moment, right? Because he's almost talking to him. He's, he's giving him that 
connection of understanding that behavior is separate from who he is as an individual. So it was a really beautiful moment. I think it was one of those therapeutic moments, right? Where you're just like, yes. (laughs) That's amazing. So you actually, the children identify with an animal on the farm and you have lots. I think you have several miniature horses. Mm -hmm. You have a bird family. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have some fainting goats uh, and some regular goats. And and some dogs, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, and they identify mm-hmm. with a specific animal's personality as you describe them. Mm-hmm. What an incredible way to reach a young person. And as you say, be proactive about them accepting who they are right from an early mm-hmm. age and thinking there's nothing wrong with me. I'm perfect exactly the way I am. It's amazing work that you're doing. It must feel very, very gratifying. It really is. It's such a great thing to see, right? I think I think so many times difficulties like like difficulties in self-esteem or confidence or where we see anxiety come from is putting ourselves down, thinking that there's something wrong with us. And and really when we can realize that we're human and we all make mistakes, we have errors, um, our behavior doesn't define who we are. And there's lots of strengths in that. I even look at my my brain is is more of an anxiety brain, right? And and there's many strengths in it though. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of an overthinker, but that's what brings me these ideas at 12 o'clock at night as I'm trying to fall asleep, right? So there are strengths and things. And I think that if we see that more, we're going to be able to grow more. Did you identify some of those strengths that you're talking about to become an entrepreneur? Because being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. obviously you have to have a certain set of skills, I would say, in order to build a business on your own. How did you do that? How, mm-hmm. how have you built this business on your own? Yeah, that, that's interesting because one of the things is that the way my brain works never worked well in a school setting, but it works really fantastic uh, with a good team around me. Like I, I need a little bit of people who help organize me and keep my admin stuff going, but um, it works really well in terms of being an entrepreneur. I realized that that piece about how I can think outside the box and that kind of overthinking or analytical thinking that I have, that kind of constant energy that goes in me works really well in this business world, right? Um, Because when you're running a business, you do have to think outside the box in terms of like how you're going to keep profits kind of coming in, how you're going to pay for your bills, how you can grow your business and be successful. It takes a lot of that kind of thinking of different alternatives and other ways of doing it when let's say one way doesn't work the way that you had seen, right? So when you had the head injury, did you ever think that you would be running your own business, going through therapy, you know, working with the animals on your own in certain therapy? Did you Mm -hmm. ever imagine that this would be your next career? Like if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have said that because I like to kind of have more of a structure in my life and whatnot. So I don't think I would have said that, but I've always, ever since I was even in grade 12, saving up for university, not knowing what I was going to necessarily do. I always knew that if I just kind of keep moving forward, that things would come. So I've always been a huge believer in stars aligning. So yeah, no, I wouldn't have known that it would have looked exactly like this, but I did know that there'd be some type of success, whatever that looked like. Wow, that that's a lot of foresight. That's pretty incredible. So do you have any residual, I guess, challenges with the head injury that you have to 
I guess, put in place certain behaviors or certain steps in order to work Mm -hmm. in the environment that you do? Definitely. Like one of the pieces that still continue is that like forgetting things. So I have this like ongoing joke with my clients and, uh, and staff, they always kind of laugh at me because I'm always like, they'll ask me questions or, or we'll talk about kind of like, you know, next steps. And I'll be like, okay, so next session, you have to remind me da, 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 da. And then we kind of make a joke about it. And, and I talk about how my brain always forgets. So um, I just really work hard in being able to organize things actually through my phone. This is, I call this my brain, right? Is that I do just a lot of schedule reminders. So there'll be little reminders that will pop through the day and just be like, okay, remember this or do this. Cause I, I'll literally forget it. And, and it will, jump out of my brain. The, the other piece too, is that I lose track of time. One of the pieces with the head injury is, uh, is that 10 minutes might actually be an hour. Um, so I kind of lose track of my concept of time sometimes. So sometimes I have to be, you know, very conscious of not being late for things, which I've always been a little bit of a late person, but the head injury definitely made it a bit worse. So, um, and then the anxiety piece is something that, um, is definitely under control. I've, I've found ways of managing it better and I've actually found ways to use it to motivate me and drive me. So that's been a real benefit in a lot of ways is figuring out how I can take these pieces and actually use them for my benefit. And, and that's what I do a lot in my therapy practice is figuring out how to use, um, struggles or difficulties to actually your benefit and, and use them actually as strengths. Cause a lot of times there's strength within them. A head injury would be something that is an invisible disability or an, an invisible challenge. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what's your advice to folks? Cause there's lots of folks that live with an invisible challenge that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. What's your advice to mm-hmm. them? You know, if they're thinking about going into business for themselves or have an idea, but they're afraid because they're afraid that their limitations perhaps, or their perceived limitations may stop them from mm-hmm. reaching their goals. What's your advice to them? You know, there's a few pieces. I mean, the the one piece that came out to me is, is for me, what's really important is having a team around me because there are things that maybe I might not do well, right? But when you're an entrepreneur, you're going to wear a thousand hats. So it's identifying which hats am I good at, which ones will I do well, and which ones do I need the support for? And then finding the right support for that. Another piece is that, um, and, and I talk about in terms of mental health, it's really important to talk about it because when it's invisible, people don't know. And there's no shame in saying, I mean, you know, it, it took me a while to, to say, hey, I have anxiety. Because I always thought it would be looked at as a weakness, but it's interesting because when you actually talk about it, you realize that many people are going through the same thing and many people or people have gone through it or someone knows somebody who's going through it and it's not a weakness. Um, It's just something that, you know, sometimes you have to figure ways to be creative and move through, right? So I think talking about it, um, allowing people kind of in having that good support system around you is really important. For someone who is living remotely and where you are is, I would say a little bit remote and they're thinking about going into business for themselves. Now there can be obstacles, even living rural that like internet (laughs) that, um, you know, people can have, right? What's your advice to someone listening to this thinking, I have a really great idea 
but I'm just not sure. What's the first thing that you would tell them to do today to kind of get them on their road? Yeah. So I, I would say, again, two things. One, I would say set some time for yourself to dream. Um, give yourself space to be able to come up with the ideas, dream, and really dream without thinking about the the, the problems or the or the cross paths or, or like the roadblocks that you might come across, right? Just just dream big. Um, the, the other thing I would say is network. Like a big strength of, of mine and a big strength of this business is that when I started, I networked. I did a lot of networking with people. Um, I connected with the community because I might be in a small community, you know, far away from, not far away, but far enough away from Winnipeg that people might not access the services right away from there. But I networked and there were so many great connections I made that helped with my ideas and and helped with actually building the business, which was really cool. All the best to you. I think what you're doing is incredibly Mm -hmm. important and, and really cutting edge to be fair. And, and I hope that it be, it it just continues to grow. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm so inspired by you. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time, 